0: Live from the corner of Zany Avenue and Martin Luther King Boulevard, it's the Krusty the Clown Show with special guest, Buck McCoy. And now, here's Krusty.
1: We've got such a great show tonight. I won't be doing a monologue because my feet hurt. And now, our opening sketch. We don't take kindly to transvestite chimpanzees here in kind Corners. <laughs> no one can save you now. I said, no one can save you now? Shut up, I'm coming. Oh, like you're so perfect with your plastic mane and your painted-on spot. What's real on you? Nothing. He's drunk. I've seen drunker. Four-finger discount, dude.
0: Welcome 2, four-figure discount this week. We're here to review an episode that I can honestly say I do not remember anything about. <laughs> I think I've seen it before, but it's pretty forgettable. It is episode DABF07, The Lastest Gun in the West. I'm Dando.
2: And I am Guy. Howdy there, Dando, and a, uh, a fond hello to all our uh, partners out there in podcast land. That's, <laughs> what what, what that's accent a, was that you were just doing there? That's, that's cowboy. That is was, that John, John Wayne? <laughs> that was... I've no idea what kind of cowboy that was. I think that was the, probably the most east, uh, eastern seaboard out old west you're ever going to get. Uh, <laughs> I was trying for a bit of a you know, howdy partners kind of deal, but um, I just don't think I've got it in me. I was actually going to try and see if I had like a cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> oh, that would have been CP. good. Yeah, this is about as close as I could get. <laughs> either, either that or like a hipster fedora. So no, I think I'll just uh, I think I'll go with this. I think I think Dennis Weaver, who played Buck in this
0: episode, has a very distinct voice, don't you reckon
2: he does he does definitely and he um I'm not sure how old Dennis Weaver would have been when he recorded this episode, but I think it's one of those voices that kind of yeah you know, gets a little sort of um so we say marinated over time i i'm not I'm not uh you know insinuating the man was a drinker or anything like that, but he it did sound like one of those sort of bourbon for breakfast kind of voices. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, kind of thing.
0: Definitely, he would have been about <laughs> or, se- about seventy six years old, about 75, 76. Oh, yeah, yeah it's about the oh, same right, age so as d- the character. Yeah,
2: just a bit of uh, natural wear and tear on the vocal cords then. But yeah, it did sound like uh, you know he'd sort of breathed in his uh, his share of dust on the trail or something along those lines. I really sh- Ap- apologies to the listeners and to you, Dando. I really should have done a bit more research on Dennis Weaver prior to recording this episode. Who knows? Maybe Dando's done some. I doubt it, but well, he um, was the.
0: I do know that he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild for quite a while.
2: Oh, okay, because I know so, that he ap- appeared in the long-running TV western Gunsmoke mm. uh, for for a long time, probably the longest-running scripted drama on uh, American TV. Then Laura Order took over. Um, was it
0: Laura Order? I thought the Simpsons took their stole, stole the thunder of Gunsmoke. Maybe scripted
2: drama. It could be the, well, okay. maybe it, maybe it is The Simpsons. I don't know. I think, I think, I think oh, it
0: was like episodic television or something. Oh, I don't know. I know. I know we, they they outdid Gunsmoke. It was like six hundred or four five hundred episodes or something. I don't know. They they definitely they definitely beat Gunsmoke in something. Yeah,
2: indeed. Yeah, Gunsmoke for a very long time. And then he was in a, like another, uh, like he like uh, Buck McCoy on the show. He was in a 70s style western called McLeod, mm. where he was like a. Um, an urban cowboy type. He was like a rural sheriff or an out, out west sheriff who comes and, you know, doles out law making to the big city. I just remember, you know, the opening credits for it. Um, and it may have been like my trigger, a Quinn Martin production. Um, but I do remember him sort of riding his horse through the city streets and thinking that guy looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was about six or seven at the time and you know, I, I thought all manner of things were cool. But while we're talking about Dennis Weaver, I think I best know him from um, the telemovie Duel.
0: One was of that the a telemovie ste- Duel?
2: Spielberg's yeah, first film? Yeah, yeah, was Oh, wow. It was, it was, it was made for uh, made for TV. Yeah, I mm. mean, and it was just so good and so Spielbergian that um, it got released in cinemas elsewhere. But yeah, made for TV. Ah, and okay. Dennis Weaver was the uh, the man behind the wheel being stalked by the malevolent uh, semi-trailer. Good movie. Good movie. Good movie, mm-hmm. Duel, if you can find it. Um, it's I don't know if it's on any of your streaming services. It might be on YouTube, but uh, I highly recommend checking it out by means, fair or foul.
0: The only fact I know about Duel is that Spielberg reused the audio of the truck collapsing at the end for when the shark drowns at the end of Jaws. Not drowns, when right. the shark's corpse is floating yeah. towards the bottom,
2: yeah. It's a clever guy, our Stevie.
0: Yeah, yes, definitely,
2: different definitely. Speaking uh, so, of clever guys. Yes. This episode written by John Swartzwelder. Yeah. Big news today is all over it, isn't he? It's a it's a big day for the Schwartz. He uh gave one of his first interviews ever.
0: Yeah, a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but uh published in the New Yorker magazine. Um I thought I was being all sort of like Hey, kids, have you heard the latest news? And put a link to it on the Facebook page, only to find that um, someone else had done it like three hours earlier.
0: <laughs> that is so 7am, guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, hey, I got, I got stuff for you. It's like, yeah, don't forget about other time zones, guy. <laughs> it's, a pretty, um, um,
0: it's a pretty in-depth interview. I started reading it before we recorded here. I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's a really interesting read. And you posted a, a, an excerpt from it about how he's his writing process. And how he, yeah, writes, which I, he writes the ideas and then adds the jokes later, yeah.
2: Yeah, he basically just sort of builds the frame. It's like, okay, well, Homer doesn't want to do this and then Marge says something like, but you've got to do this. And, and you know, really just writes the basic framework and then sort of puts it aside and then comes back and goes, okay, well, I've done the hard work, which is writing. Now I get to do the fun work, which is rewriting. It's yeah. Like, I, if you're a writer and you see something like that, you kind of go, of course! <laughs> of course! <laughs> yeah, so uh, props to Schwarzwelder for that article and for this episode, which, um, look, I use the word slight a fair bit uh, when we come to talking about recent episodes of The Simpsons, and this is a pretty slight one, but it's also, it's got a little meat on the bone as well. I found it to be a fun episode, not necessarily one of my all-time favourites, but I, I certainly got a few kicks out of it. What did you think, Dante? Well, I see, I enjoyed it, but then I got to the end and realised I couldn't remember anything
0: really that happened. And then I sort of rewatched it and went, not that much actually happens in regards to like a story. It's just like it's a a bunch of stuff happening, but there's no real story to it. And then I read a lot, I read some reviews and the reviews for this were scathing. And I was like, okay, well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not like it's offensive or anything, it's just kind of there. And I remember this is the first time that we got to an episode doing this podcast where I genuinely could not remember anything about the episode. It was like I was watching this episode for the first time. And it was kind of a cool feeling to watch an episode from what I still consider to be like the golden era of The Simpsons, like, you know, season 13. It's not far from the season 9 era. And yeah. watching it for the first time felt kind of cool, but it was just like, I don't watch this episode going, it's fine. I've got a couple of laughs, but I don't think I'm going to revisit it anytime soon.
2: Yeah, look, I can't see myself sort of coming back to The, um, the Last lastest Gun in the West. Uh, yeah, as you said, anytime soon. And in all honesty, there's maybe just one part of this episode that I remembered or that had kind of stuck in my memory. What was that? And, and That's when um, uh, Milhouse is on the bus and he's like, oh, I need a new best friend. And, you know, Ralph comes up and he's like, now I get to be the dominant one. And Ralph's like, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Mil- and Milhouse just becomes instantly beater again. And I'm like... Oh, that's right. I do remember that. I mean, whether it was just like a um a small victorious moment for Ralph or something that I, sort of, I I'm always a fan of those. Um, is that, but, is, that so, is that like when the Love of the Ways' kids come into the land room? <laughs> <laughs> What's this bald guy doing here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, that's really the only thing that I remembered. And okay. even even then, I didn't remember that it was from this particular episode. So yeah, much like you, I was sort of coming into this fairly fresh. I think you... I was watching
0: this going... I reckon Guy's going to appreciate this in the way that... You like old-fashioned TV. And this I was do. clearly written like a swat-swatter. He's got a real passion for old-fashioned Western. So it was clearly written yeah. like a love letter to old-fashioned 70s Western shows, on 60s Western shows. Mm. And I think he did a really good job in that. But I don't think... If, if you didn't grow up with that or watch any of these shows... I mean, I was a 90s kid. Those shows weren't really the thing anymore. Or they, well, they weren't at all the thing anymore. So I didn't really... Appreciate the
2: jokes as much as what I guess no. older fans would have. I—that's th- <laughs> me, older fan. <laughs> uh, but, but with yeah, with younger dudes like yourself, Dan, I imagine it would be more like uh, not even say Don Adams from like Get Smart, but maybe like almost like maybe even Don Johnson from Miami Vice or something, you know, or um, yeah, but more like a seventies TV cop than like a fifties TV cowboy would be the kind of sort of hero that you would be that you would relate to perhaps or that would make it a bit more relevant for you. Do you I, think? I think I think even eighties
0: probably not because I didn't watch any eighties shows when I was a kid. You know? Okay. Just,
1: yeah.
0: I, I I think this was w writing for Swatswilder, which he said in his interview he always wrote to make himself laugh. But this was definitely Swarzwilder writing to yeah. the older audience, I think. Right. Which is fine. Right. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that I don't think that I, someone of my age appreciated the jokes as much as what I should have.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, before when I uh, spoke about there being a little meat on the bone, I think that what I meant by that was probably um, the whole hero worship thing and, you know, occasionally discovering that, um, you know, someone that you may idolize is only human or has feet of clay or all that kind of business. Okay, I'll stop you
0: there. Example of this, this may sound silly, Mm -hmm. but it would be someone like, for example... Will Smith. We grew up Will Smith, idolizing Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? And then it would be like meeting Will Smith when he's 70 years old, being an old guy, and be like, ah, you're not really
2: (laughs) the Fresh Prince anymore. (laughs) Okay. uh, Take note, listeners, because this is uh, Guy Puts Stuff on the Internet, number one. Uh, because I don't know if it was on his Instagram or he did a TikTok or whatever. Will Smith is kind of trying to conquer social media these days and doing a pretty good job with it but I saw today a picture of him. He's basically standing on his lawn at his estate or something. He's got his shirt open. He's no longer ripped, but he he, he just looks like, he doesn't look like he's out of shape, but he's not. he hasn't got abs anymore or anything like that. And he's sort of got the caption, I'm going to lie to you folks, this is the most out of shape I've ever been in my life. But he just looks so happy. You know, yeah. he's just like, <laughs> and you know, he's like, yeah, your your pecs are sort of turning into man boobs a little bit. And you've got a not not a pouch or anything like that, but you got a you got a tiny little bit of a gut. And I'm like, oh, Fresh Prince. All right, Fresh Prince is an absolute king, man. So um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll I'll um find that picture and put it up online for the um for the patrons because yeah, yeah it, right. that was that was that and the Schwarzwelder thing were two things that made me smile today. And this is the third talking to Dando about The Simpsons. (laughs) But yeah, I
0: highly recommend checking out that interview. It's with The New Yorker. It is. And and, uh, what what annoyed me though was all these clickbait websites trying to like just take excerpts and say, you know, Classic Simpsons writer mentions this, mentions that, mentions that. I mean, Screen Rant had four articles just highlighting Mm -hmm. certain sections of this interview. It's like, If you're going to source this interview, Simpsons fans, just go straight to the New Yorker original version. Don't go to a clickbait that's going to say, for the full story,
2: go here. Just go straight to the New Yorker. Yeah, fuck the aggregate. Yeah, Churn the sites, forget them. Go to the the source.
0: By the way, way, check out fourfigurediscount.com.au for the small little clickbait articles about the Swatswilder interview. Oh, yeah, absolutely (laughs) do that. Oh, God, that's the name you can trust. Um, But, yeah, check it out. Swatswilder, his first interview, maybe... Ever. I'm not too sure if he's done many beforehand. Uh, mm. With it. He said he, he said he respects the New Yorker and he always has because some of his uh, icons have always written for the New Yorker. So, yeah, check it out. It's an, it's a massive, massive read. He did it via email, which is the Swartz mm. world way. The only negative about it is that it debunks a lot of the myths that I loved about the Swartz story. One in particular okay. that I just read was the... um. It's always been said that he bought the, the booth from the, his favorite diner that he used to write at and he mm-hmm. bought the booth and took it to his apartment and had it installed so that he could write in the actual booth that he used to write from. <laughs> he was just like, nah, I just bought a booth and just put it in my house because he says he likes the aesthetic. He, likes, he goes, if you're actually writing in a booth, you'd be amazed how more creative you are sitting in a booth. Wow. So maybe we should do it. Maybe we should do the podcast from a booth, like a diner.
2: Okay, well... We'll have to make
0: a little money and buy a booth. <laughs> <laughs> More patrons, please. <laughs> if you if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. So I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed the episode because I I it was going to be one of two ways. It's either going to be a guy who really hates this <laughs> or a guy who likes it because it's old fashioned TV. And I'm glad that you did because uh, I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was kind of there. That's the only negative I had for it. It was just a bunch of stuff happening, and really the story just I don't he. It's not like Schwarzwelder to waste a first act on something meaningless like the dog chasing Bart. It just seemed to go on forever and ever. And then it just, Bart jumps the fence, gets into Buck's house, and he
2: he fixes the dog, and that's it. I was like, oh, it led to nothing, really? Well, I'm wondering about other ways that uh, Bart and Buck could have crossed paths. I mean, um, I like the idea of Buck sort of being like this old, you know, reclusey kind of guy living behind a big gate and something like that. And yeah, you know, how else is Bart gonna meet him but sort of escaping into this place that seems relatively safe and secure? Um, is he Bart, running from, bull- you could, you could, he running have from bullies, back? Yeah, you could have
0: Bart try to pull a prank on Millhouse or Martin or whatever. It goes awry and he accidentally gets Jimbo or something. The bullies chase him and he ends up in Buck's house. That could, be, that could be all over in a minute as opposed to six minutes of a dog chasing Bart.
2: True. Having said that, I didn't mind all the stuff with the dog. I thought the dog was actually kind of in um kind of a fun adversary. I mean, the fact that he was sort of um, you know, sucking up to Homer and the rest of the family and then just turning around, at bart or I mean the whole bit with the window where they're having breakfast and the dog just <laughs> and then just wipes it. Keeps doing it. I thought that was good. So um and but even all the lead up as well, where Bart's just having the luckiest day of everything, the, the baseball just sort of lands in his hand. He finds two shiny dimes. A shinier and then, dime. <laughs> and a shiny dime. Yeah. And then, um, now, I don't know if that guy has a has a name. I know that- um, He
0: does. So I, I did a poll on the um Facebook group the other day, on the Facebook page, sorry. I had to find out his real name. His real name, the Yes Man, is, I'll find it. I'm just scanning here on my phone, as you can see here, if you're watching us on YouTube. Scanning through, his <laughs> name is
2: Mr. Pettigrew. Mr. Pettigrew, okay then. Because, I mean, um, the only thing that I, well, the main thing that I remember him from in episodes of The Simpsons is all that, yes. Well, that's which, all he says, usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah but then, <laughs> I was like, why are you talking like that? I had a stroke. A stroke yes. it's, like, it's like, that's very bad taste, but at the same time, extremely funny. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot everyone remembers. And, but can, can we just say, right, I'm going to spoil it now. That was actually my favorite moment in the whole episode. Just a super chocolate, of course. Oh
2: yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a really fun voice. I'm not sure who does it, but whoever does it, it's, it's got to be a Dan. It's got to be Dan. I'm gonna look it up yeah. now while you're talking. But yeah, it's a um. I think that whole certainly the yes is, uh, is lifted, Oh yes, yeah, is lifted from a um. A very famous, very old timey. If we're talking old timey stuff, as we had in Last Gun of the West, um, a comedian named Jack Benny, who was very big okay. in the um, very big in the thirties and forties, and I think, I think thirties and forties. But his, I think, I believe his catchphrase or one of his catchphrases was sort of "yeah" kind of thing. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Swartzwelder was a fan and probably sort of um, started doing that in the writers' room or something, or even even Dan sort of did it in when recording one day when they were just sort of riffing or something. I'm not sure, but I mean it's certainly a, a reference to a very old-timey uh, comedian.
0: He's definitely I just checked it the voiced by Dan Castellaneta.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. yes! So, it's so much it's it's, it's, so it's much one fun to of the do. better it's one of the arguably cuz Gil I feel like Gil Gunderson he came during the golden year, season 9. I think this guy did too, but I think Gil and this guy the Yes Man are the two best non golden era characters they've ever created.
2: Yes. I'm a big fan of Gil, and I do like this guy very much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, my favorite. So, so good. But what was your favorite moment from the
2: episode, Mister Davis? Uh look, I had one or two. Um, there were a couple of nice little throwaway gags. Some were visual, and uh, actually, most of them were visual. There were two that sort of went back to back. Um, mm. one is where uh, Grandpa is showing off his um sort of mem- uh, Buck, Buck McCoy fan club membership card <laughs> it's called Little Grandpa Simpson <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I thought that was great that even at even at a young age Abe was Little Grandpa Simpson um, <laughs> but funny, then you, know what, you, you know what I love about that is that that's one of the big key
0: things that everyone was pointing out why they hated this episode they're like how could it possibly be Grandpa Simpson when he was a kid
2: I was like that's the fucking joke <laughs> that's relax the, that's the joke for goodness <laughs> sakes Oh, by the way, sorry. You've just reminded me. I was with the lovely Louise and family last night. We were searching for something to watch. Um, Ended up watching this documentary on on streaming service Stan about Greta Thunberg. Um, I saw that and went.
0: I I don't think I could bear it.
2: it. It was like it was enlightening viewing in a lot of ways, but. I say this, and this will probably cause a lot of people to lose respect for me, we mainly did it because I'd been making fun of Greta's accent. <laughs> you did, know, I did, did, I... you, did you skip recap? And it comes to her going, how dare you? How dare you? Oh, <laughs> 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 when it comes to the lovely Louise's youngest son, I crack him up by, you know, any time he does misbehaves, I'll, I'll say, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so then we were flicking through for stuff to watch and found the Greta thing, and I'm like, let's just watch this and, and I'll make fun of Greta the whole time and win yep. some more brownie points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I don't know why why this uh is That's happening. the joke. I don't know. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> the joke. Sorry. But midway through I was sort of doing my Greta impersonations every once in a while, but while while respecting to the utmost degree everything she's doing for um for climate justice. Honest to God, I mean the 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 girl is a little powerhouse and honestly more much much respect to her. Um but having said that, I was I was imitating her a lot. Um but Louise is saying you sound more like Arnold it's like <laughs> I know it it's like I know I can only do how dare you otherwise I'll it's like you. You, 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 you must fix the climate that's, <laughs> so that's basically what it sounded like so um sorry that anecdote just went nowhere um, but good times were had over with the lovely yeah, yeah. last night. um yeah. and but then uh Almost immediately after that, we cut back to Buck's place and uh, we're sort of looking at his um, memorabilia and all that and a couple of his movie posters. And I just got a real laugh out of the one, what's it? Six Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah. And you've just got the one brother sitting there going,
1: (laughs) 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 It just made me laugh. I,
2: I watched that and just thought, that's like a Hugh Grant film. I don't know why I thought of Hugh Grant. Just it was like that that's Hugh Grant's film, that one there. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then at the very end, I mean sorry to cut to the end and it's, it's mm-hmm. not a spoiler or anything like that, but um it was a an odd but a moment that I found, I don't know, kinda nice just um, buck going back to his place he's like never contact me again he's like yeah this guy's like me he just doesn't want to deal with people Yeah, um, so he just closes <laughs> everything up that's the thing of the story it's just that they
0: involved themselves in this guy's life trying to get his career <laughs> going when he didn't really want to get the career going they, they bullied him into it and then they tried to well, force him to get fix his alcoholism he's like I'm just he sums it up when he's just like I worked hard I made a lot of money I'm never tired why Why can't I just drink myself
2: stupid why, why, who, are you, who are you to stop I- me <laughs> I just love Marge's line. Well, I just naturally assumed it was some of my business. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a really neat line by Water. That's yeah. very funny. Yeah. Um, but that whole bit where he's sort of like drawing the blinds and then, oh, "I better put the, better put the out. rubbish out yeah. and all that. And then he sort of looks at the screen, does a little tip of the hat, and then he walks back inside. I'm like, I like that. That was mm. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, um, I don't know exactly what I liked about it, but it's a whole little, till next time, partners. So. <laughs> yeah. so
0: some, pe- some people saw that as, a, as time filler. Which you could argue it was. I saw it as like
2: yeah. a, a final farewell. Yeah. You know, Buck's just going to go back and, you know, he's probably going to uh, pour himself a bourbon or whatever's in that flask or what was ever in those bottles and that painting. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, put his feet up and reminisce about the old times. Good on yes. him. More power to Buck. Um, yeah, was, those were my favourite parts of this episode, Dando. How about yours?
0: Oh, mine was just a oh super chocolate. Oh
2: yes, (laughs) (laughs) I I should have guessed the way you kept repeating it. Yeah, super chocolate. Oh, of course. Oh yes, (laughs) (laughs) super chocolate. Next question. You there, eating the paste?
0: All right. So it's now time for some trivia. I'll kick off, unless you want to kick off, sir. You go right ahead. Alrighty. So when Bart comes home after being chased by the dog and the dog rips his pants off or eats his clothes, what does Marge say? Is that your first question? Riverdance. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell by your face.
2: (laughs) All right. What's your second question then? Uh, My question to you How many films did Frank the Wonder Horse appear in? Mm, That was 24, and he directed one and got a film by credit. That is correct. Well done, you. My
0: next one is Lisa is talking about Ralph, and she says, Ralph says he's got a little brother. What is it actually? It's a pine cone A pine cone, yes I was. I heard that and thought I like to think that Ralph's drawn these little eyes on the pine cone He actually thinks he's his brother <laughs> Or maybe Did he you thinks it's the baby those, um, that they are Maybe maybe that's the baby that looked at him
2: Pine cone looked at you <laughs> Did you ever those, um that exercise at school where they gave you an egg to look after? Like it was a baby?
0: Yes, and my yeah. friend Michael Mead threw it over like two backyard fences It like traumatised me
2: Wow <laughs> I got hungry and scrambled bun <laughs> I didn't no, no, no. I was a good I was a good egg dad um, am I asking you a question or yeah it's our turn for yours yep okay then what's on the menu for dinner when uh, Buck McCoy goes to the Simpsons house I there just are three the items. name two
0: I just know refried whiskey that's all I can remember
2: okay then there's a specific kind of meat mm, rattle,
0: rattle, rattle, nah rattle, we're gonna get
2: it I just said rattle rattlesnake meat
0: oh you said, you said rattle. When did you rattle, say rattle? Rattle, rattle, rattle? Oh, you said rattle. Oh, rattle. I saw was your hand twitch. I was like, is he having a stroke? Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> my final question is where is Krusty's studio situated? Damn it, is this another one of yours? In corner of Zany Avenue and Martin Luther King Boulevard. <laughs> I'm like, I try my hardest to think of ones that weren't
2: obvious. <laughs> These, yeah. I only have four questions, and I think we doubled up on at least two of them. Yeah. Do you have, do you have,
0: do you have one more? Because I've got none.
2: No, that's it. Mine no. was Zany Boulevard, Rattlesnake Meat, a number of uh, Franklin uh, Wonder Horses movies, and Riverdance. Uh, oh, there you go. We've that's been doing then. it too long, Dando. The minds are starting to merge. They certainly are. All righty. Well, that is trivia
0: for the lastest gun in the West. Stick around, guys. After this short break, we'll be back with our full in-depth review of the episode. Four finger discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. We've got Jordan Moleman, Richie, Bella Windebank, Katie G., Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Melion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Sean Davy, Keith Needham Sam Bennett, Timothy Berelson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, George McManamy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Daniel Kotnik, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, Matthew Davis and Davis Stewart. Absolute Deadset Legends. Every single one of you. Also shout outs to our new $5 plus patrons. James Garrett, Aaron Thorpe, Rowan J. Aardvark has upped his pledge as well as a shout-out to Kenneth A. Rice. Thank you once again, sir, for getting back on the Patreon bandwagon. Don't forget, guys, if you want to get access to a bunch of exclusive content and in turn support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Links in the description of the podcast. And yes, you can join the Four Finger Discount family. But for now, enjoy our review of The Lastest Gun in the West. The official air date for The Lastest Gun in the West was February 24th in the year 2002, directed by Bob Anderson, written by John Swatswater, as we mentioned earlier. A chalkboard gag, making Millhouse cry, is not a science project. And the couch gag is one with the squeaky voice teen is discovered on the couch with, I
2: might say, a very attractive young woman. squeaky voice teen did all right for himself. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, I mean, it's like uh, me and Nicola, like, batting way yeah. above average. <laughs> <laughs> me and the lovely Louise, certainly, yes. Uh, yeah, shame on The Simpsons for... Uh, yeah, blocking that uh, that young man. Just as they were
0: entering, he was about to say, Oh, now my pants are shaving me. <laughs> <laughs> Still, today, one of the best Jimbo lines of all time. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they even got away with saying that in The Simpsons. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but the episode kicks off with Bart having a really lucky day, as you said. Uh, he finds mm-hmm. the baseball lands in his hand, finds a new dime and then a shiny new dime, gets some free ice cream from the Yes Man. And it's just it's just... <laughs> hilarious he's having a great day until he finds this dog
2: who he thinks is going to be his friend turns out no not a friend at all turns out it's going to be his actual nemesis That yes. dog is my no dear wow
0: this dog's an asshole <laughs> it's just uh, the only thing about it for me was that it kind of felt like it just felt too out of nowhere in regards to, you know that episode where they go to the cinema What what was that episode mm. Where and and Homer's really angry at the cinema. And oh, get, the most the recent one where. Yeah, yeah, and there's like the, the oh it's, they have the gay pride parade, which which is just a reason to get the, the family to leave and go it to is. the cinema. This to me Hang felt like see. an extent extended What's up? No,
2: I'm gonna look through my notes and find. Oh, the
0: sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah I don't know what the episode was called, but um, they it's like an extended version of that where uh, something's happening. It's just like oh we have an idea for like a two or three minute thing but it doesn't really link up with the episode, with the main story. Like, I don't feel like this dog segment really connected well and flowed well to the Buck story. It just felt like a long, drawn-out way. Whilst it was entertaining, it was just like six minutes of, I don't know, it just it wasn't filler, but it was just like, is this going anywhere? Because it just felt a bit repetitive. After about the second or third time where it's just like, okay, the dog's got barred again, the dog's getting barred again, I was like, when are we going to get to what this actually means or what, where this is going? And then when it got to where it was going, and it was just a reason for Bart to jump Buck's fence, I was like, really? We had to wait for, watch six minutes of Bart being chased by this dog just to get him to jump this fence? I was like, really? That, that's just the only negative I had for it.
2: I just had the feeling that, you know, of course this wasn't going to be the whole episode. I mean, yeah, and but of I course, just... you knew you knew that as well. Yeah. yeah I get I, yeah, the feeling it went on too long. I don't know. I didn't get the feeling it went on too long. I knew it was going somewhere, so I was happy to roll with it. And I thought they did well with what they had. Or no, not even with what they had, because it's not a lot. I mean, they didn't have to do anything. They could have done more. Just having this antagonism between Bart and the dog to the point where it's like, you know, basically a new neighbourhood bully that's just making his life miserable. I I didn't mind it, actually. I mean, I thought it was... I wouldn't want it to have gone on much longer, let's say that. I think it went on just long enough. Do you think if you watch this for the first time on television, though, no,
0: and you just watch an entire first act of Bart being chased by this dog, and then we go to commercial break, because you've got to remember, he meets Buck after the first commercial break. Do you think that you would have bothered to continue watching? Like, that's a long... that's a, like. Usually, if they do this, at least by the end of the first act, there's a hint of what's to come next with the main story.
2: Nothing. That's a good point. You, Ray, you make a good point. But look, it's, it's very much Horses for Courses. I didn't think it went on that long, and mm. I, I guess I knew that, um, as I said, it we was, it was, it was somewhere. leading somewhere. But yeah, if you, true, if you are watching it the first time, you might be going, when are we getting to the fireworks factory? So. Yeah, exactly.
0: But uh, it eats his clothes, various things. So at least it's talking about Ralph to Janie in Barker's Attack Behind the Bush. Uh, then Homer's watching the Tar... Or he thinks it's a Tarzan movie. It's actually a documentary about the homeless. Uh,
2: but <laughs> I'm this- sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't find that uh, that name of that episode, by the way. Oh, the episode... Oh,
0: look- oh, I'll, I'll find Hang on. It's the... Not half decent. It's oh. not... Uh... It was Jaws Wide Shut. Jaws Wide Shut. Oh, okay. Because you remember he runs out of the cinema and he runs into the Dredgeroo Tatum statue. That's see. Yes, but um, yes, yeah, so this is where Homer goes to check on the dog because Bart's saying how vicious it is and it's going to kill him mm-hmm. and the dog is nice to everybody except for Bart. Then it's outside the window, breathing on the window, much like Jimbo does in Bart's His Soul. Bart tries to sneak <laughs> up to the school bus, but the dog's already on there. Chases him away. Then we get the moment that you mentioned earlier with Ralph and Milhouse.
1: Anyone want to be my new best friend? I will. Great. Finally, I'll be the dominant one. Be quiet. Yes, sir. <laughs>
0: now, we're at school, this was a cool, a really cool visual. Bart walks into the playground, looks outside the window. The dog's just on the seesaw. <laughs> just it. It's almost like uh, Michael Myers outside the window at school.
2: Oh, God. Oh, you've reminded
0: me of that scary moment in Halloween. Oh. How great is Halloween? Oh, no budget. No special effects. It's just a dude standing out the window. Terrifying.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. My man, John Carpenter, knew, knew what time it was. Yeah, He no, definitely did. Made for something like $350,000 back in the uh, back in the late 70s. Made something like $50 million. Oh, nice.
0: Bart wakes up. He thinks much. He says, Don't, uh, wake up now, otherwise you'll be late to be killed by the dog. He's actually saying you'd be late for school, whatever. <laughs> he then runs along the hedge, jumps off, and lands in the dog's mouth. This here, was this a reference to anything, or is it just meant to be random? So he throws the, he says, eat my short stories, and we get a little... Piece of paper that at uh, the end of a story that says "All in all, it had been a weird, weird lottery." The end question mark. What's that from?
2: Um, look, I, I'm am going to assume that it's a reference to either a short story or a novella, or maybe it's a novel mm-hmm. um, uh, called "The Lottery" by a terrific uh, writer named. I'm going to say Shirley Jackson. Let we better double check that. But uh, oh, she oh, was one the, the
0: lottery. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, but she was one of the great. Um, uh, one of the great horror writers, she... Um, Shirley Jackson is correct, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She, um, what else did she write? She wrote The Haunting. Okay. Uh, which, has been, which has been adapted into a film, has it not? The Haunting. um, Adapted into, a, uh, I think adapted into a film twice and okay. then uh, adapted, loosely adapted into The Haunting of Hill House, which oh, was on uh, Netflix. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. But The Lottery is a bit of a spoiler here for those who, are, who may want to catch up with reading it, but... Uh, it's set in a small town where everything is perfect, uh, and the reason that everything is perfect is that once a year they hold a lottery. Whoever wins the lottery is basically stoned to death <laughs> to appease their god. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's sort of a bit of an indictment of just, you know, small-town conformity and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, one of the spookiest sort of uh, short stories slash novellas slash short novels ever written. And But I think Swartzwelder might be sort of blowing a bit fast and loose. Boy, that was a weird, weird lottery. <laughs> The end? (laughs) So, um, I don't know. What was its purpose here, though? I don't think it had any other than our man Schwartz probably likes it. You know, and he just wanted to throw some shit that he likes in there. You know, he's got a moment for a a throwaway gag. And I think Simpsons fans like those kind of little Easter eggy kind of things where it's like, hey, what's that? You know, you you broaden your mind a little by sort of looking... Battle lottery? What could that be?
0: I now now know about Shirley Jackson's story. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. They run through the dog show and the dog wins most vicious, I think. (laughs) I uh, did like that. (laughs) And rips it off in a vicious manner. Then he sneaks into Buck's house, jumps the fence, turns around and sees the props. And this is where we catch a commercial. So we come back and turns out, because they're all props, Buck McCoy introduces himself.
1: Don't worry about these critters. They're just props from my movies. This one's from Gunfight at the Museum of Natural History. You were in movies? Hold on to your hat, son. You're talking to Buck McCoy. Who? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Buck McCoy, the most famous movie cowboy in the world. No kidding. Anyway, I climbed over your gate. A dog was after me. Oh. I'll show you a trick that you can use on dogs. Also worked on David O'Selznick. Who? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The David O'Selznick.
0: He mentions here David O'Selznick. Do you know who this is? Yes. Yes, uh, uh, I knew you would. I, I, I've got <laughs> no but I'll, I'll allow you to elaborate.
2: Okay, David O. Selznick was one of the uh, big-time producers of uh, classic Hollywood. I think he's probably best known for Gone with the Wind. Um, And I don't know if he actually sort of ran a studio, but he was, yeah, one of the, like, boy wonder uh, producers. Um, Yeah, brought a lot of, you know, really major films to the screen, worked with a lot of great filmmakers like Hitchcock, um, and was renowned as sort of a guy who was very hands-on, you know, I mean, a lot of producers just like, oh, we got this book. Okay, get so and so to write it and you can direct and such and such. Selznick thought of himself as a bit of a creative as well and clearly had a bit of a. He was good across the board. He could organize, but he also had great story ideas, great story sense, great creative sense as well. So, uh, yeah, David O. Selznick.
0: There you go. I, I knew you'd have information. Thank you for that. Saves me some research. <laughs> <laughs> but he teaches Bart how to fix the dog because it's the same way that he fixed David O. Salsney. then he takes it for a tour through the house and says it looks like a steakhouse it does it does look like a steakhouse and it's funny it might be in places like um, did you ever go to Lone Star? I've never been okay it's not, I don't think it exists in Australia anymore but I just love much like Uncle Mo's family feedback I like when I go to a place that's just a bunch of crazy crap on the walls <laughs> I just I en- I enjoy that kind of vibe
2: I also did. Um, I like that. Um, yeah, Bart was saying, "Oh, I should be in school." and I was like, "Man, ah, I quit school in the fourth grade. I ain't no, I ain't un-dummy. no no undummy." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is that horse vacuuming? If you can call it that, he soils as much as he cleans. Frank the Wonder Horse was in twenty-four of my pictures and directed one. And he got the film by credit.
0: Uh, this is really good. Cool. So Bart sees, you know, it's five o'clock, need to go home for dinner. To the laundry room. And it's just the next room in the house. <laughs> Marge has made cookies for the dog. That's a nice little touch. You know, like part of the family now. That's a, the Bart shaped cookie. He says, no, no, the dog's not bothering him anymore. So they just fob that story off. Grandpa is incredibly impressed that Bart knows Buck McCoy. He was and, bigger than opium. Yes, definitely. And you know, Great line. Little, a little buckaroo tag, like you said, <laughs> a little grandpa Simpson. <laughs> Buck then shows Bart and Milhouse all the different film posters of the films he starred in. We get the one you mentioned earlier, six, oh. uh, six Brides for Seven Husbands, I think it's called.
2: Six Brides for Seven Brothers. There was actually Seven a film Brothers, called yeah. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, Have you ever okay. heard of that? no, I haven't. No, yeah. yeah, sort of. It's I think it's a musical, oh. actually. I mean, I don't that, think it, it sounds really, like a comedy, yeah. I don't, it's sort of a musical comedy, but yeah, I don't think it'd really sort of play today because it's basically like. We're Seven Brothers living on this ranch. We need wives. Let's go kidnap them. It's not Yikes. really a kidnap, but... Um, they're climbing in your windows they're snatching your people up. Kind of. Look, it's been a long time since i watched Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Um, by which I mean, I probably watched it once when I was about eight or nine, because that's what they showed on TV back in the day. Um, by the way... Then I was kind of like, I'm not sure these women actually want to be here. Yeah.
0: By the way, when's the last time you went back and revisited Antoine Dodson's song?
2: Oh, hard the kids, hard to wait.
0: And hard your husband because we're ripping everybody out here because we they're went ripping back, up and- <laughs> We went back. We went back and, we went back and watched the um, the video, the song that they made out of his interview again, like last week, Nicola and I. And it's just as funny today as it was in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually I, I watched it and I was like this is why the internet exists for things like this
2: I think <laughs> there is still occasion where I'll find myself saying hard uh, your kids
0: hard your wife I always say hard your kids hard your wives Good and hard your husband because I'm ripping everybody out here <laughs> <laughs> you're dumb you're really dumb <laughs> alright anyway enough about Antoine Dodson <laughs> so I did like uh, Buck's justification as to why the films were better back then family friendly because there was no drugs no nudity <laughs> no cussing just drinking, fighting, and tripping horses with wires. <laughs>
2: was, oh
0: man! And it never dawned on me as a kid, but like that's genuinely what they must have done back in the day, because you can't train a horse to just fall
2: over like that on cue, right? Or can you? I think maybe you can. Really? Actually, okay. I mean, um, look, I'm I'm sure that because um, they, for they, you they about- didn't just lay down; they stacked it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure a few of our four-legged friends didn't make it out of Westerns in one piece. No. I'm sure a few of them ended up at the glue factory. But um, No, that, they were part think,
0: of catering by the end of the movie.
2: I think there was also a fair bit of training that was done in some regards. God, I hope so. Not everything was Milo and Otis. Oh, man.
0: Let's not even get into it. <laughs> Let's not even get into that. Good Lord. Uh, shows off his different lasso tricks to uh, to Bart, which is kind of like a sea plant for later in the film. Uh, later in the episode, sorry. Uh, then he mm-hmm. can do tricks with the lasso. And uh, Millhouse asked if he can go get him a banana with a
2: lasso. How the hell would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm guessing that they've eaten Chippos on the show before, haven't they? Yes. Cause it got, yeah. so it, did it have the hippo water? I didn't notice. It, it, the um, He he got like a, was it a buzz cola? I think he got a buzz cola and a bag of Chippos. <laughs> like, yep. eh, Chippos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm easily amused. <laughs>
0: Homer and out at home. And Marge here saw like the 4 4 breaking. I guess there's no adventure this week. I <laughs> love them. that. I thought yeah. that was really funny. I mean, yeah.
1: it's,
2: not, it's not really like a meta gag or anything like that, but it's kind of like, mm, it sort of is. And I, th- I thought it was pretty funny.
0: They did the exact same joke, though, like three or four episodes ago with Brawl and the Family. Remember that on their way home from the trip, halfway through the episode, and I was like, could this be the end of our wacky adventures?
2: Oh. Do you remember okay.
0: that? And then, and that's when they rocked up and the vos- Vegas wives were in the driveway.
2: Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, 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 think I, prefer, I think I prefer this way.
0: Oh, 100%, yes. Bart rocks up in his cowboy outfit, and Homer is jealous that he's no longer Bart's hero. Another somewhat negative of this episode is that there was a story to
2: pursue there, and Swartzwater didn't really do a good job of it. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I meant when I said it. The premise had some meat on the bones, yeah, but it, you're right, it, they didn't really explore it properly. I mean, maybe some of that early part of the first act that was very dog-heavy some of that could have had, you know, um, Homer disappointing Bart for some reason or, you know, revealing himself to be, uh, you know, a coward or deficient in some area that sort of makes Bart go, oh, Dad's not my hero after all. I mean, not. Well, not I sort. mean, I mean, but he could have, well, I think
0: Homer would have been Bart's hero anyway. But, I mean, you could have had Bart does a little uh, uh, project at school and, Homer finds it and one of the questions is who is your hero and he writes somebody else and Homer goes I thought I was Bart's hero yeah. and that's where that story evolves from but I did like it throughout it where you had Homer dressing up as a cowboy trying to be like Buck I thought that was cute but then the second they had Homer make the fake Farrah Fawcett picture I was like well that's all credibility for this story out the window it's just ridiculous now <laughs> I kind of liked it <laughs> but so yeah so Homer's jealous that he's not um, that he's not Bart's hero McCoy then comes over for dinner. I like the little sea plant here as well with the refried whiskey. He's like, oh, I like the sound of that last one. There, <laughs> yeah. there's your first clue that he's an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. Um, they throw Grandpa because He's just an obsessed fan. Then he, sh- he shows off his career highlights and all the various things that he did in the Westerns and it became, I looked this up, so it became Room 222, which was another TV show.
2: Yes. Um, look, I'm not 100% familiar with Room 222, this is kind of half-assed to me, but I'm pretty sure it was like one of like a pioneering African American sitcom. So- room two two two. It looks like what well, it does. Uh, room two,
0: uh, a comedy drama. Uh, let's look at the plot, or the overview. Based on the setup of the 1967 film To Serve With Love, the series mainly focused on an American history class in Room two 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 of the fictional Walt Whitman High School, an extremely okay. racially diverse school in Los Angeles. So yeah,
2: you're right. Okay, yeah. So it was sort of um, yeah, a very early incarnation of a woke TV show. Yeah. So yeah, I mean for um, uh, yeah for what was what was Buck's show called? It wasn't called Gunsmoke. It was called Ah, oh, the one that he did.
0: That he did yeah. work for Oh, shit. For his for
2: his show to make the transition to Room Two to do is eh, kind of funny. Oh no, sorry, yes. that was McTrigger. That was McTrigger. That um, yes, McTrigger. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which as i said got a kick out of it because it's a quinn martin production sorry yeah. that's that's one of my based on well, McLeod, form- yeah it's not one of my formative childhood memories but I was, there were there were a lot of quinn martin productions um, on really? tv okay. when uh, when i when i was a kid usually way past my bedtime so i felt really grown up if I could stay up and watch a Quinn Martin production, yeah, it's funny
0: when you listen to old themes like outros of TV shows that you loved. Even if it doesn't play it in on like what you're listening to, you still hear it in your head. Like the end of Seinfeld, I always hear the Sony TriStar as well. The
2: do 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 do,
0: you know. Yeah. I can't hear the Seinfeld theme without hearing that in
2: my head as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, okay, listeners, here's the second thing that I'll be putting up on the internet. Um, the intro to a Quentin Martin production, but at least one of the at least one of his shows. Um, I'll tell you what I'll, I know the one I'm going to put up because it's got a, a really rock and jazz flute sort of intro theme. Cool. Oh, kick ass! Yeah, you're going to enjoy it.
0: <laughs> What's the one that says "Sit, good boy"? What's that one?
2: That's uh, that's Ubu Productions. Uh, that was at the end of Family Ties. And what, what does it say? Sit, Ubu, sit. Sit, Good sit, dog. Ubu, sit. Good dog, yes. Yeah. But it must have been in a later
0: show as well, because I've never watched Family Ties. It must have been on another show. Maybe it on Spin City? No, it wasn't that.
2: No? So, how do you
0: spell Ubu? O-B-O-O? No, no, U-B-U. U-B-U, sit. Okay, Ubu Studios. All right. Yeah. Let's look it up. Let's see what shows they Ooh. did that I would have watched.
2: I, I, saying it out loud like that made me realise, oh, maybe it's got a double meaning. Maybe it's U-B-U Productions. Uber, Uber Productions. Yeah, yeah. True. All right.
0: So they did. Uh, I'm looking through. Da, 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 Spin City, Battery Park. No. Oh. Fuck. But it, it couldn't have been Spin City. I never watched Spin City.
2: Okay. What, you never watched Family Ties at all? No. Dude, I was born in 88. Why would I watch Family Ties? <laughs> Were they repeating it into the 90s? Nah. The
0: the repeat. uh Maybe. Uh, no, it was, it was, when I know When I was a kid I can remember a lot of Full House being on But Full House was yeah. still like relevant or was like on at that time
2: I thought at least Family Ties was something That you and I could bond over Dan no,
1: But no, <laughs> even that's too early No,
2: no it, it was 5.30 was
0: always very I bewitched the Brady Bunch
1: Well I think westerns are due for a comeback Yeah We can have showdowns at the schoolyard And use nerds as Indians no.
0: This now, this here, this moment suggest they could do a a shootout in the schoolyard and use the nerds as Indians. And Lisa goes, "Mm," and I'm like, that's every viewer in 2021 watching this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We can use the nerds as Indians. I'm like, whoa, okay.
2: Okay. Do you think that was because you're not allowed to say Indians anymore? You say Native Americans or First Nations people? Or was she a bit worried because she's a nerd? Oh, 100%. It's nothing to do with that. It's because she's
0: worried because she's a nerd. She's going to be... On the oh okay. the, she's, she's on the rough end of the shootout, and she's not doing it because I mean t- in two thousand and two, this was still an acceptable thing to say on the tel on television. It probably was yeah. I assume it was because uh, this this episode here just casually has fat shaming, transgender <laughs> shaming, fat shaming, transgender shaming, and nerds as Indians. I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, two thousand and two. But we're at the school, um, and this is like Milhouse, and Martin's wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Bart rips it off at the lasso. You're not fun, you're just fat.
2: When did Homer say that, you know, Homer's the one who said that, you know, only only certain type of people can wear Hawaiian shirts, right? Yeah, that was in Homophobia, a big fat party animal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Bart does look like a big fat party animal to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brockman does his news story. <laughs> I love I- this. This barely qualifies. I think we can all agree this is barely news. <laughs> I'm Ken Brachman. <laughs> love that. Apu is then singing the song "Don't Fence Me In." This was this was purely filler. <laughs> yes, this was definitely filler. <laughs> yeah. Bart then suggests that Buck and Billy Joel should be part of Krusty, so they go to Krusty Cheers. I love how Bart and Lisa just have access to Krusty whenever they feel like it. Yeah. Hey, Krusty. <laughs> Want to get Buck? Want to get Buck in your show? No, Billy Joel. What? Throw
2: a shade at Billy Joel here? Well, why? There are More than a few shows sort of sunk the boots into Billy Joel. I remember Community used to do it on the regular. Why? It's like, why would you do that to Billy Joel? You he's know, a national I mean, treasure. He's an international treasure. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, just, I, don't, I was like, Billy Joel? Look, really? I'll, I'll admit it. I'm I'm 100% sick of Piano Man. I could probably go the rest of my life without oh. hearing Piano Same. Man again. But if we, it's, it's kind of like when you go
0: to the pub and someone plays K-San. I'm like, turn it off. Yeah, Turn it off.
2: Yeah. I mean I'm glad that, you know, Billy Joel's probably getting residual after residual and royalty after royalty for piano man. But honestly God, I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing it again. Play play Rosalinda's Eyes or, you know, um sometimes a fantasy. You know, some some deep cuts from the songbook, man. Anyway, yeah, but I don't, I know I've, I've never I've never seen Billy Joel live. It's one of the
0: things I'd love to do, but I know as soon as I heard the harmonica, everyone would be on their feet. I'd be sitting there going, Boo! Shh, <laughs> <laughs> Crusty <laughs> says he doesn't want to have these guys on because he wants the show to have a timeless quality. And we get the Hanging Chad reference here. I don't know what he was talking about. Apparently it's to do with the 2000 election.
2: It is indeed, yes. Hanging chads were something to do with um, uh, voting forms that weren't uh, properly sort of, um, or may not have been properly filled out or something along those lines. So, you know, it that's one of the reasons that uh, George W. Bush supposedly beat Al Gore in the election was due to hanging chads or something along those lines. Okay. Then throwing in Judge Ito from the, um, from the OJ trial, like what? Almost 10 years earlier, like eight years earlier. It's like, okay, yeah, keep them
0: coming. That's, what I loved about this joke was that it actually does exactly what they're implying here. Like, someone who's oh, yeah. watching this in 2021 is like, what the hell are they talking about? What? That's so not timeless. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Well well written by Swelts So now Lisa and Bart go to use some reverse psychology on Buck to try and get him... Wait, his name is Buck, right? I keep saying Buck. And now it's in my mind that I've got it wrong. His name is Buck. Correct? No, no. Buck. Buck McCoy. Buck McCoy, yes. Yeah, so I was just making sure. I'm like, For some reason, I had a freak <laughs> out that. I'm like, wait a minute. Is it Buck? I've been saying Buck this whole time. I'll be making an idiot of <laughs> myself. Um, so they, yeah, they, they get him reverse psychology... I love the little sign there, uh, in case of comeback, break glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, tries on the Texas or Massachusetts. What are those little things called that they wear?
2: Bolo ties, I believe. Okay, yeah. It's just like, yeah. There was a, <laughs> there was a phase, uh, before you were born, Nando. Um, <clears> oh, look, it's, it's probably made a comeback in your lifetime. But uh, I remember when I was about 17 or 18, bolo ties sort of came back in for a little while. And even... What year were you born? Oh, I'm the summer of 69, baby. I was just born. (laughs) (laughs) This was like, yeah, like 86, 87, perhaps. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but bolo ties sort of made a bit of a comeback. And even me, who would sort of like try on anything to sort of be like accepted by the cool kids, I'm like, not even I'm trying that shit. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it yeah. reminds
0: me of Back to the Future 3, Marty McFly. <laughs> Not a good look, but uh, I
2: don't know, maybe Buck pulled it off.
0: Buck then shows off his shooting skills at the rehearsal at Krusty Studio. Over here, I've seen Vance here, <laughs> which works well for later on, as we'll get to. Indeed. Shoots the Krusty cutout. What, what does he call it? Right in the, he says something here.
2: Right in the panhandle.
0: Yeah, which is apparently what uh, Johnny Carson said. Ah, when a a guy flung through an axe, I think, at a cutout or something. Oh, okay, and it landed in the... uh... hit a mannequin in the crutch on the the Johnny
2: Carson show or something. In the bathing suit area. Okay, right Mm. in the panhandle. Mm. A part of Texas, by the way, The, uh, the panhandle.
1: You know, it's been a long time since I performed live. You'll do fine. Just remember, there'll be millions of people watching you. Millions and TV Guide's cheers and Jeers editor. And he's already given out all his cheers.
0: Drinking from a, a hip flask, and it's like, uh-oh, this can never <laughs> end well. <laughs> nope. So now it's time for Krusty's show, and we're doing a skit that Buck's supposed to be a part of, and Sideship Buck kicks off by saying, "Don't take, we don't take too kind of transvestite monkeys around here. And I watched this and went, oh, not too sure about that, but I... I I would assume that if you ask somebody from the community, the LGBTQ plus community, I believe, the patrons told us, I guarantee you, if you ask them,
2: they weren't offended by this. I don't think there was any malice at all, in all honesty, I was just chuckling at it. I mean, it's just such a ridiculous line. Yeah, it's it's meant to be
0: ridiculous and absurd. But what were we discussing? We are talking about the gay pride parade, and we said, oh... It's, we weren't saying it was offensive in regards to the community. We were saying it's offensive because the jokes just weren't funny. And yeah. every, everyone, yeah. all the patrons who were a part of the community, all said that, no, we love that scene. It's not bad at all. It's just a joke. But yeah, so <laughs> Mr. Teeny's dressed up as a transvestite monkey, apparently. And uh, Buck Rogers is supposed to rock up and save the day, but unfortunately, he is Buck McCoy, dark. not, what not, not like Buck Rogers. Rogers?
2: Oh, I'm tired. Buck, I'm so tired. <laughs> Buck McCoy Buck McCoy is old West. Yes. Buck
0: Rogers is is the twentieth twenty fifth yes.
2: yeah, century.
0: Uh had three hours sleep last night. I apologise, listeners. So Buck McCoy okay. rocks up drunk. Uh and Homer says, oh, I've seen drunker. Yeah. <laughs> this was the other thing about this. He pulls out a loaded weapon where there's children in the room, shoots Krusty in the stomach. No reprimand. Shoots a guy. On live television. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I get that it's just a classic comedy
2: animated show. But at least
0: something. the guy I Nothing th- happens.
2: Krusty's a pro and he knows that the show must go on. So he's like... <laughs> he's he, fired costume a we- he fired a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> These costume gentlemen are going to stitch me up. We'll be after this break. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Anyway. So, yeah. So Krusty gets shot in the guts. And Buck's... Let Bart down, you know, you were my hero, man, and now Bart doesn't know what to do with himself. Mm. Krusty is very angry, obviously, says the buck's never going to be back on the show again, and Homer tries to create a new hero for Bart to make it for the fact that Bart's now sagged the posters are ripped off the wall, and he makes the Farrah Fawcett uh, <laughs> poster, which again, is another joke that does not appeal to younger viewers, because... I don't know know who Farrah Fawcett was.
2: I didn't watch fucking Charlie's oh, Angels when I was a kid. That that poster was on the wall of ninety seven point eight percent of in your the uh, red blood. Yes, yeah, and and maybe even early eighties because that kind of hotness just you know transcends decades. Yeah, I had a major major crush on that that poster. I mean, that was kind yeah. of formative for yeah. me. I'm aware, I'm
0: aware now that it's one of the most iconic pop culture posters yeah. of all time. But a 10-year-old watching this in 2002 just thinks Homer's just made a picture of himself in drag for his son. Yes, true. True.
2: Well, that, as we've said about previous episodes, though, I mean, you know, there are, you know, uh, references to Citizen Kane thrown in. There's, all, there's, there's always sort of stuff that um, the quote-unquote the kids aren't going to get. I'm not. I'm not bringing these up to say that it's
0: bad. I'm just bringing it up to say this yeah. was an episode written for an older audience. True. Predominantly, you
2: might say. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe more gags than usual. Are sort of like, yeah, um, not so much for the kids sitting in front of the couch like and sitting in front of the TV like this with their legs crossed. More for the adult sort of leaning back on the couch going, <laughs> Farah, uh, yeah, good times. Yeah. Like Hobart- me.
0: <laughs> Hober then realizes that he's not happy that uh, the Bart's sad, you because know, he cares about his feelings. Marge and Hover then decide it's time to sober buck up to uh to, to make him Bart's hero again. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, leave the guy alone. What's be alcoholic? Just let him be an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, Find it, your it, son it, another hero. Let this guy enjoy yeah. his you know enjoy his bourbon in yeah. peace. It wasn't an issue until you guys tried to put him on live television again. So yeah. they, go, they they go to his house and pour out all of his liquor. I'm like, what? It's his liquor. Leave it alone. <laughs> they take it to the, uh, to the John Ford Center for Drunken Cowboys. I did like the gold guy.
2: Gold. Gold. <laughs> no, it's <Nuggets laughs> as big as your head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of when, um, if you play Big Buck Hunter, you probably haven't. Big Buck Hunter, the shooting game. I have played that. Okay, there's a, there's a bonus game where you shoot the cans of all these, all these bottles oh.
2: of this ogre. He's like,
0: it's my bottles. Don't shoot my cans. That's, that's exactly what the voice was like. But anyway, what were you going to say? Uh, n-
2: time for a nerdy shout-out. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that character is a reference to a classic, uh, legitimate classic, Humphrey Bogart movie called The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, where explorers down in Mexico are looking for gold, and... Um, and basically, just get all their morals compromised and shit in the pursuit of the shiny substance. Um, a terrific movie, uh, a, a very bleak insight into human nature because everyone just starts fucking each other over for the gold. Um, yeah, a very good movie, but yeah, that character. Um, there's a character in it played by an old gentleman named Walter Brennan who is basically like gold. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's basically all that is. So, yeah, another sports world to shout out that the <laughs> the kids are going what. What? At, le- at least he's got a funny voice. True.
1: <laughs>
0: Buck then leaves, even though he's going to be branded as a quitter. Homer, something smells delicious. Actual branding. Yeah, I, mean, I, thought, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and this is where Buck brings up, you know, I worked long and hard, got rich. Why can't I just enjoy a drink as whenever I want? And as he pointed out, Marge says. What is, she, what is her exact line that she says? I just
2: naturally assumed it was some of my business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then we see on the TV a bank robbery is in progress,
2: and Brock is reporting from there. And that is that is one of those like dystopian sci-fi robberies. It looks like something out of RoboCop or the Stallone Judge Dredd where you've got sort of people up in the windows with the with the semi automatic or the you know the fancy looking automatic rifle. Come and get us, coppers! <laughs> 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 Might have to rewatch Judge Dredd tonight. <laughs> Do you know I've never seen Judge Dredd? Should I watch it? Is it worth my time? It's 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 a good piece of fun '90s
0: nostalgia. I think it's because yeah. it's one of those films that's so iconic in pop culture that I need to say I need, I need to be able to say I've at least seen it, even if I don't like
2: it. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Anthony, is a huge, huge fan of the Judge Dredd comics. Uh, he does. <laughs> he'll watch the Stallone Judge Dredd, but it is nothing like the comics. Yeah. Uh, so it basically just, sort of takes the name and. A bit of the iconography and sort of runs with it. If it's, like Super, be, it's like the Super Mario movie. There's nothing like the video games. Pretty much. I mean, they've actually folded a fair bit of stuff from the comics in. But in terms of like, it's because I mean, Judge Dredd, the character, is basically just this fascist nightmare who just has no regard for civil liberties or anything like that. It's is just he just a like, bad? Is he
0: a bad guy, Judge Dread?
2: He's not a bad guy, but he's just um, police brutality sort of run mark. He's oh, okay. a police state run mark. It's like you. Is bro- the judge, jury, and execution essentially? It's like you broke yeah. the law. Okay bang, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for saving us, Judge Dredd. Yeah, next time it could be you. <laughs> so, um, if you actually want a good Judge Dredd movie and a good action movie in general, it, there's one that's just called Dredd. Dredd, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it stars Carl Urban from the Lord of the Rings movies and a bunch of other stuff. Um, that's fantastic. And it's and it's a much better sort of Judge Dredd movie as well. But the, okay. the Stallone one is actually kind of fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's on my list of... Things to watch by the end of the year for sure. Well, do the do the double feature actually? Because I mean, you yeah, you'll find it quite. In, if you've got time, with you know, <laughs> lack of sleep and two children and lovely wife and all that kind of business, if you've got time to watch two movies back to back, do Judge Dread and just regular Dread. Okay, yeah. we'll do. All right, my so advice the, to you and the listeners.
0: So we're at the bank robbery, and Wiggum says we need a hero, a hero, hero. Homer <laughs> <A hero.
1: laughs> <A laughs> gets the phone.
0: Give me Buck McCoy.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, Dad, I'm on the line.
0: <laughs> he then, they rock up with uh, with Buck to the uh, to the robbery. He said, Right, here you go. Solve this robbery and you'll be Bart Zero again. I'm going to go wait in the car. Throw, <laughs> throws the flask in the bin and the syringe. And Homer, he's about to throw his play dude <laughs> in the bin. But Homer said, There's nothing wrong with a bit of hey, hey. I watched this and went, This
2: is something Guy would say. <laughs> I don't know who he's imitating when he does. I don't know if it's a Woody Allen kind of thing with that whole no, <laughs> I was thinking Woody Allen, but it's a bit more like Phil Silvers. And you remember okay. from, you know, when they had the um, uh, I forgot the name of the episode, but um, the Cat Burglar. Yep, Malloy. And you know the you know at the very end when it's the whole mad 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 mad. Oh, thing. the guy in the water. And, yes, and the guy the guy. What's the matter with you, kid? You told me this stream was shallow. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never pass up an opportunity to do that. Don't try and stop me. But I'm pretty sure Phil Silver's kind of um, shtick was that kind of way. But, yeah. But Although I think it also sounds a bit Woody Allen-y, a bit very, very sort of early Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name on the podcast without people going, stop saying the name of that man, that monster. But anyway... Um,
0: if you're, if you're a fan, by the way, of the episode Home of the Vigilante, it is available right now. We went back and revisited it with Guy. It's available now on the Four Figure Discount Patreon page, so patreon.com slash Four Figure Discount. Also, we just did... Which one do we do, Bart? Uh, uh, no, we're about <laughs> to do... Oh, we, oh, Bart, oh, fuck, I'm Are tired. you calling me Bart? I'm calling you Bart. Fuck. It's, uh, the episode we're doing... We did Bart vs. Australia. We did... Uh, what else have we done? Home of the Vigilante. Uh, Homer we versus did,
2: the 18th Amendment.
0: That's what we just did, yes. And um, yes. we've done one more. Oh, I Love Lisa with Ralph and Lisa as well. That's right. So, so they're the I'm classic ones marry. we've gone back and revisited, all available on the 4 Figure Discount Patreon page. And next Indeed. month we're going to be doing, it looks like, Homie the Clown.
2: Oh, excellent. All right, if you needed any more excuse, or mm. if, hang on, wait a minute. If you needed a better reason to become a patron, I don't know what is. Yes. I, don't, I can't <laughs> think of a better one than that one. Support the come show. The on, more... Come be a patron. Oh my God.
0: It's going to be so much fun. We want to quit our job. So, the more people support us, the more chances we can do more podcasts. If more people support us on Patreon. <laughs> I need to have a job to quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, we are at the robbery. And Buck agrees to do it to be, uh, to be Bart's hero once again. He has the ultimate weapon, the lasso. They're shooting at it, but the bullets are just going straight through. <laughs> Stops the burglary. Uh, the cops then slink away because it made him look bad. Buck is Bart's hero once again, and Homer is, to an extent as well, behind Poochie, itchy scratchy, firefighters, crusty. Um,
2: yeah, America's firefighters, and then you dead.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> then, as we said earlier, Buck just leaves and says, never bother me again, and we've got a long, drawn-out ending with him just living his life, basically.
2: Yeah. He's got his, you know, sort of old-timey cowboy estate, his, his urban ranch, so to speak. He... Closes his gates, closes his blinds, put the bins out. As I said, little tip of the hat. Gone back in. Hopefully, there's still some booze somewhere in his secret stash, and uh, Buck McCoy can put his feet up and uh, yep, mosey on down the trail of drunkenness. Sean Cottery took the uh, the Buck McCoy approach, didn't he? He did indeed. He um he basically retired to the Bahamas, I believe, or or somewhere in the Caribbean, somewhere tropical. Or, yeah, <laughs> somewhere tropical, and just you know played golf the rest of his days. More power to him. Why not? That's, that's yeah, Way to do it. So yes, become a become a four finger discount patron so Dando and I can retire and uh <laughs> you know you know go play golf somewhere. And never, you'll never bother us again. No, no, no. We'll keep making podcasts till we drop.
0: So all in all, I thought this was yeah, a fine episode. It was no by no means a standout. To me it was one of the ones where I watched it and just went, This is pretty forgettable. Not in a negative way, it's just I have no desire to ever revisit it. I don't know. It's fine yeah. for what it was. I think this would appeal a lot more to the older fans. I'm th- I just I'm not into Westerns at all. So I know there's a lot of Western Take references it. in here. If you're a fan of old-timey Western shows, I reckon you probably would really enjoy this episode.
2: There was stuff to enjoy, certainly. But yeah, I mean, as you uh, astutely pointed out, I think our friend John Swartzwelder was... This is one for him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, look, we're fortunate, you know, in that, uh, you know, when... Someone like Schwarzwelder or any good artist sort of write something for themselves. Usually, they're entertaining enough that you know other people will find some uh, some kind of degree of interest. In- There'll be enough love put into it that other people will feel that love as well. I think. definitely. What do we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn for the episode, Mister Davis? Because I have not got anything down here. <laughs> okay. Well, i would learned, and this is very very important. Um, if you're going to try and rock a an Hawaiian shirt, you'd better be legitimately fun and not fat. Yeah, yeah, because if you're fat, you're in big trouble.
0: (laughs) What did I learn for this episode? Oh, man, what did I learn for this episode? I learned that Shirley Lawrence wrote the
2: the lottery. That's something, isn't it? Shirley Jackson, yes. Shirley Jackson? (laughs) I'll let that one. Now say, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. You are for real.
0: (laughs) (laughs) From
1: this day forward, your name shall be.
0: All right, it is now time for some new names, Mr. Davis. Shall I run through the leaderboard before we do so? Do it. All right, so the current leaderboard stands. At this, in third position, we have a tie on on seven points between Stephen Roberts and Philip Hawkins. In second position on nine points, Josh Hedge. And in first position on 12
2: is Garode Harryhill. Take it away. Hmm. Okay, then. Um, we'll skip the honorable mentions this week and just go to gold, silver and bronze. Um, look, a lot of Western references in the uh, mm-hmm. in the new names this week. Understandable. Uh, Wholly understandable. And uh, bronze one point goes to Nick James for. Pardon me, Nick James, bitch. You always forget the bitch. Oh, my apologies. It's Nick James, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to have to write this one. (laughs) Um, four three ten to Brockway, Actonville, and North Haverbrook. Um, A little riff on the the Great Western 310 to Yuma there, but with a distinctly Simpsons uh, feel. Nice work, Nick. Bitch. Um, (laughs) uh, Two points. The silver goes to Kel. Kel on wheels, McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to come up with nicknames on the fly here. Kel on wheels.
0: Let's call her that. I don't think Kel's been in it this year yet, so there you go. Well done. Welcome to the team, Kel.
2: Nice work, Kel Razor. Um, two that's points. I, that's a good one. I like that one. Kel Razor. Go with that one. Kel, Kel, let us know in the um, in the uh, comment section uh, which of those two you prefer, uh, Kel on Wheels or Kel Razor. <laughs> or something entirely different. You may just say... Be- what about Kel's Bells? Kel's Bells. <laughs> <laughs> you, may, you may well say, just call me Kel, for goodness yeah. sakes. Be... be be adults. What's wrong with you? Um, Kill McDonald gave us the good, the bart, and the ugly. I saw that. It's very good. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. And, of course, a play on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I'm here to mansplain. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the gold, the three points for quality and quantity goes to the real thing. Nothing like the real thing, baby. Nora Coker. Wowee. Um, um, coke, Coca is it? Shall we say? Um, can you think of any other sort of Coke-related um, puns or anything? Crack Coca. Ooh, crack Coca. Jimmy crack Coca, and I don't care. Nora <laughs> crack Coca, and I don't care. Oh, duh. sorry, we're just we're Bill and Marty in the morning, just riffing at this stage. You're going to be replaced by the by the. <laughs> what a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> Nora gave us quality and quantity this time around. I like these both very much. Uh, don't have a cowboy. Hmm. That's like very it. good Well done Nora That is Nora. good And Dog The Barty Hunter <laughs> They're both pretty good Aren't they
0: Yeah very good I like it Nice work by Nora I think that puts her on Six points as well She's climbing back up That leaderboard mm. She's just one point away From third position So The top three has not changed Because none of those guys Got points so we've got Stephen Roberts and Phil Hawkins still on seven and third, Josh Hedge on nine and second, and Garode Harrahill on twelve in first position. Thank you everybody who contributed this week to the new names. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, just gonna be a $1 plus patron at patreon.com slash four figure We also get access into the Facebook group, some exclusive podcasts, and much, much more. Now, Mr. Davis, that we have done the new name championship. It's time we head over to our followers over on the Twitter and the Instagram. Don't forget, guys, follow us on Twitter at fourfingerpod and follow us on Instagram at 4 Finger Discount. We are now posting regular content every single day. Some hilarious laughs from Mr. Davis, some memes, just some shit around the house here that I have, like various Simpsons merch, whatnot. Follow us on Instagram at FourfingerDiscount and at 4 Finger Pod. And like we say, if you are not a patron, that's perfectly fine. We'd love you live for listening just at all, you know. So uh, the best way to get your name read out in the show, if you're not a patron, is by contributing a new name via Twitter or Instagram when I post it up, and hopefully yours gets read out. So right now we're over on the Twitter page. First one here is from @TomBatter1984. It says blazing saddos. It Says his heart's not in it. He hates this episode, and it seems to get repeated more than most. <laughs> okay, uh, at R-F-L-X-W. Should I say the at name? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll say R. Uh, it's Rob Ferguson anyway, guys. He says Silverado, which is pretty good. Ben Pop, uh, at Jamba Mamba 17, says Doge City, based on the 1939's Dodge City. Or he says Roundup Springfield, play on Round Springfield from back in like season seven-ish, I believe. Also here from Swiss1, at Swiss R uh, Dead Drunk Redemption. Andrew Begley says Brokebart Mountain. Ooh, I don't mind this one at all. From Sam at Mo Pet Shop says the Magnificent Seventy. Very, very good stuff there, guys. Over on the Twitter. Now let's head over to the Instagram page. What have we got here? What have you got for us this week? All right. So at Mark Thirty Eight says how the worst was one. Pretty good. Ooh, I like this. McClure cuts at McClure cuts. Fill me up. Buckle up. Uh, at Stay Underscore Gordon Eighty Seven. Hey Stay. How you doing, buddy? Uh, The Buck, the Bart, and the Drunkie, as in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Very, very good. Oh, this may be my favorite of the week from the the Twitter slash Instagram followers. At Luke McKay, 22, Bourbon Cowboy. Well played, sir. Very, very good stuff. And finally here from at Becky Ann Manners. At Becky Ann Manners. uh, She says... Like a washed up cowboy, as in rising cowboy. So, very, very good stuff there from the Instagram followers as well. Uh, I know I've said it numerous times, at Four Finger Discount Instagram, at Four Finger Pod on Twitter. Look out, follow us firstly, and then look out for my post during the week. I'm going to start posting it on Tuesday night. So, Tuesday night, if you are on the Instagram and Twitter pages, our time, Tuesday, our time, I'm going to post it up, asking for some new names. So, hop on there, and hopefully your name gets read out on the show. But now, it is time for... DeVille! mail is here! Ooh! All right, let's, let's see. What's happened is, Guy posted it today. I'm just trying to find the mailbag. Uh, I, f- I found the mailbag, but Guy wasn't have a chance to read out some questions for a change. So take it away,
2: Mr. Davis. All right. Well, uh, our pal Reese Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, Reese's Pieces, asked about... Um, well, actually, I think he threw in a bit of a... Uh, a slide dig slash tribute to me. He's asking about my favorite western. He said it better not be El Topo because if it is, I'm, I'm looking oh.
0: at yeah, Homer very disgusted in a the gift there. That, yes.
2: that, <laughs> thanks, for that, Reese. I did enjoy that, uh, enjoy that little shout out. Um, my favorite western is not El Topo. Um, it's um, it's a very tricky, trippy, psychedelic, uh, metaphysical western from the '70s. Uh, probably best watched under the influence of psychedelics or hallucinogens. I do mm-hmm. recommend it for adventurous viewers. Um, but if we're talking actual sort of uh, hat and horse westerns, which I think we might be, a few of my favourites are Unforgiven from 1992, uh, written and directed by Clint Eastwood. Bit of a revisionist one. Honest God, really, really good movie. Won the Best Picture Oscar that year and deservedly so. Did it really? Um, Unforgiven wait, wait. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it was a bit of a comeback for Clint as well, Clint Eastwood, because... Uh, He'd sort of, you know, he was still Clint Eastwood and everyone was like, yeah, Clint's the man, but he hadn't really made a, a top-notch movie in a while. There were a few sort of dodgy, dirty Harry sequels in there. One or two. Every yeah, which people. way but lose. That's a lot earlier,
0: Dando, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, my, um, my, my nan used to love those movies. I just remember watching them as a kid a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite, yeah quite but unfor- unfor-
2: yeah. <laughs> Unforgiven is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wild Bunch is uh, one that I really yeah. enjoy um, I hadn't watched that for maybe thirty-five years or so, and then I watched. It was the first movie I watched in twenty twenty-one. Broke out the uh, the Blu-ray of it and checked it out. So it's like I was clearly too young to watch this when I did because it makes a whole lot more sense now, and it's just a beautiful piece of filmmaking. It's violent, but it's also yeah, you know, just you can sort of. It's it's where the old timey westerns of say John Wayne and those types end and the new type of Westerns of Clint East would kind of begin. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice sort of um, intersection of those two. Really marvellous movie by uh, the great Sam Peckinpah. So, um, yeah, absolutely worth checking out. And two others by a guy who's name-checked in this episode, a guy named Howard Hawks. I think mm-hmm. I've probably talked about him in the past. A big influence on our man John Carpenter, who I've also mentioned. Uh, he did um, two, and they're sort of at opposite ends of his career. He did a great one called Red River with John Wayne and Montgomery Clift. And then he did one of the all-time great Westerns, Rio Bravo, uh, with John Wayne. Dean Martin's actually in it, and he's really good. Um, and also Angie Dickinson, um, who sort of... Things that make you go... That's Angie Dickinson. So, um, Dean D- Mar- D- Martin, you mentioned Dean Martin there. He's one of those people where it's just like, how could he be this attractive and this talented?
1: Very it's not much fair. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, and Dino as well just kind of had the... Um, he had the sort of best attitude about life. He's a bit sort of Buck McCoy-ish. Hmm. You know, I mean, Sinatra was a bit, um, you know, all the, all those guys on the Rat Pack, Sinatra was a bit sort of high strung and... Very full, you know, full of himself to an extent, yeah. And kind of full of himself. Sammy Davis Jr., an incredible entertainer, but also a, a bit of a workaholic and all that kind of stuff and... Um, I think he had to work twice as hard because being an African-American man in that time. At that time, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sort of had to <laughs> prove himself more than the others, even though he was probably more talented than the rest of the Rat Pack put together. Um, Dean Martin just like, yeah, I'll come up and sing and tell a few jokes and then I'll just go have a drink and, yeah, I think I'd rather just sort of play golf or whatever. So, yeah, Dino's a cool guy, but he would, yeah, pop up in things that you would not expect. Like... um, he he hardly seemed like the type who'd be in a Western. But he's terrific in Rio Bravo as this kind of uh drunken sidekick to, to John Wayne who straightened up and flies right when the shit goes down. So yeah, it's good stuff. So they they're some of my favourite Westerns. Uh, and of cool. course the uh the wonderful tombstone is um, oh, yes. is in there as well. That's 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 always, always enjoyable. We have some tombstone figures at work now. Are they? Yeah. For real? Then are they pop finals or are they actual like yeah, action? They're figures?
0: Pop finals, yeah.
2: Oh, for real! Oh, yeah, it's like, nice. It's like, it's like four or five of the characters, yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't know they were doing Tombstone. Uh, pop well,
0: games. guess what? Guess what, you're getting for your birthday. <laughs> <Money>? Listeners, <laughs> listeners, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you should have seen guys' eyes light up then. Really? Oh, for real! <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Kel oh, actually, I like this question here from Kel McDonald. If you don't, do you get to read that one out? If you like, but you know, read the question from Razor slash on Wheels. Kel McDonald.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll let you read it out since you're taking over the mailbag this, this week. Do you want to read it out or shall I?
2: Um, I haven't got the question in front of me. I've just got okay. what it's about. So if you what, want to read it, that's it. Well,
0: Kel says Do you have any stories of neighborhood dogs or cats that you used to avoid when you used to walk past their house where, where they lived? I 100% did. Like, Tell we, us about it. We used to have this dog around the corner. It was on the corner. So I lived on the Donnelly Avenue in Norway. And it was Station Street, which was the street that, you know, when you end of Dudley Avenue, uh, it ran sort of like the other direction. It's like a T-junction, Station Street. And we used to call it the Station Street Dog. And my best friend, Michael Mead, lived around the corner, but also meant if I wanted to walk to his house, I had to walk past the the Station Street Dog house. And it was one of those ones where, I think it was just like PTSD from watching the Sandlot, right? But like, you would, <laughs> you would walk past the, the house, and it would wait till you got right near the gate, and then it would go like a stick it's like snout through the the hole in the gate and like every single time to the point where i would Um. like it was a double lane street i would cross the street just so i could walk one length of the house and then cross back onto the street again i was terrified of but i remember one day that my friend daniel so daniel jones michael me were two best mates we'll walk him back and he had this uh i don't know why he had a book of raffle tickets but he had a book oh. of raffle tickets and he was putting it in everyone's, a ticket in everyone's letterbox just because he was a kid just doing it, whatever. And then okay. he decided to chuck a raffle ticket inside this gate, right? He was not aware of Station Street Dog. Station Street Dog bit all four of his fingers, all split wide open.
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: So that was one of the most traumatizing experiences of my, kid, of my childhood because Daniel Jones puts his hand in this gate and all of a sudden he pulls it out and it's just fingers shredded to pieces
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ Station
0: Street dog what yeah a Station nightmare. Street dog man oh, <laughs> terrib- terrible memories of Station Street dog and there was one house across the street in Donnelly Avenue that once you walked pa- past the house the cat would fly out of the bushes and scratch you on the leg then run back into the bushes again
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have, uh, like a regular animal nemesis like, uh, like you and your pals do, but I do have a dog story in that, um, I think I was in year 12, sixth form, and we'd had like parent-teacher interviews that night, and for some reason, I think they were being very sort of, maybe I was being a bit sneaky or they decided we were grown up or something, but there was a bit of booze sort of flying around, like some wine, and I'd had like maybe a glass or two of wine, um, not big glasses, like little shots like that. Um, but maybe enough to just impair me a bit. Um, I rode my bike home. Uh, my parents dropped me off. I rode my bike home from the bus stop where I'd left it, left it chained up. I was about 50 metres from home when a dog came charging out. I'd never you know, heard or seen this dog before. Came charging out, snagged the corner of my, uh, the leg of my pants. I fell... Uh, I'm probably a bit going, uh, I fell off the bike, hit my head on the corner of the gutter. Um, You probably can't see it, but I've got a little scar right there. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Because I came in and my head's just cracked open. My face is cracked open. I said to mum, I fell off my bike. (laughs) She she literally screamed because, I mean, I've just got blood pissing down my face and took me to get stitches. So um, then... That that was on a Friday when I went into school on Monday, I've just got this huge puffy eye, stitches and all that. And I said to my um my housemaster, "It's like, what did you tell my parents?" <laughs> 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 uh, what did you say to that?
1: Yeah,
0: so I oh, know that was fun. Um- uh, uh, we also the next door neighbour of ours when we lived in Donley Avenue was this little, like a little terrier dog. I don't know why I was scared of. It. I guess it's because I was like eight or nine. But it was this little, little dog, but his name was Socks. It's because he had, he had oh. like white paws that looked like socks yeah. and his he rest of his fur was tan. And, you know, he'd play a bit of backyard cricket and whatnot. And he, the ball would always end up going over to the backyard. And was, the, the girl that lived next door, his name was Danielle. And like, you'd, you hit the ball over the fence, you'd have to go get it. And it was like, oh God. And like, so Socks would sleep in the porch. So you'd look and you'd be like, all right, Socks is asleep. He's not in the backyard. This is my chance. And then you would like tiptoe over the fence and you'd pick the ball up and you'd throw the ball over to your backyard and then you'd hit the bolt, And you're like, fucking run, run, run. And like you're standing and you'd run for your life and you hear... And you're like, fucking run! Oh. One time one, one time he got me and he caught my pants leg. When he said he, the dog got you on the pants leg, I remember socks grabbing onto my pants leg and I was like shaking him off. That's the only time he ever got me. But it was literally a case of you get your ball ever so quietly and then you fucking go for it. Right. <laughs> and I look back down and I'm like, this dog was like fucking a tiny little thing, but I was terrified
2: of it. <laughs> If they're full of beans or full of energy, it's kind of like, oh god, yeah, you don't know yeah, what yeah. they're going to do. It yeah, was yeah. scary shit, man. But anyway, right, one more. Let's do one more question. You pick one, Mister Davis. Oh, all right. Um, this is a question from Cheryl Wisniewski. Mm-hmm. Cheryl, my uh, apologies if I've mispronounced your surname. Um, let me know the proper way to do so if I in fact butchered it. Uh, Cheryl asked about disappointing celebrity encounters. Okay. Um, I've had a, my share of celebrity encounters over the years, and I won't say this is disappointing, but it was kind of a letdown for me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I may have told this story before, so apologies to to the listeners. Is it you but, offending um, Quentin Tarantino with your pop culture it, references? It is. It's the Tarantino story where, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I landed an interview with him for his movie *Inglorious Bastards. It's time for time for guy to shine. Time for guy to time for Quentin Tarantino to meet his Australian soulmate. Yeah, I'm going to be in his <laughs> next film. <laughs> I'm going to he and I are going to be BFFs because you know we're exactly on the same page when it comes to all this stuff. Um, we met. I mentioned a film that um, a fairly obscure film that I knew he liked and that I really dug. Um, he's like, yeah, that's a good movie. No, let's get down to business. <laughs> so, well, he didn't actually say that, but that was what came across. I'm like, I was
0: like I'm not here for small talk. Let's just get this shit
2: done. Oh, uh, yeah. This is not a social occasion, is it? I'm on the clock. I'm here to work. Okay, let's go to work. Yeah. And I went to work and um, do you think it imp- got a good- do, you, do you think it impaired your interview with him? No. No, it didn't. I mean, um, but I must admit, I mean, it was kind of like, oh, I thought this was going to be a nice sort of a nice bit of leverage. You know, it's like, yeah, you start the interview, it's like, oh, okay, well, this person clearly knows this stuff. And look, Mr. Tarantino, to his credit, was a fine interview. I think I was a bit sort of, I was also a bit let down because I just interviewed Christoph Waltz, who's mm-hmm. in Inglourious Bastards* and Django Unchained, before that, and he was just the most charming individual on the face of the earth. Really? So I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just fell in love with the guy. And I mean, he was not a, not a big name at this stage. I mean, he'd been working in in, um, I think he's Austrian. I think he'd been working in Austria forever, mm-hmm. uh, but this was kind of his first big international role. And um, I think he realised hmm, if I take advantage of this, I can you know do quite well. And you know, he started with me and just charmed the absolute pants off me. The pants stayed on, by the way, folks. Um, they weren't even chafing. <laughs> I should have used that line. I'm like, <laughs> Wow, Mr. Waltz, now my pants are chafing me. <laughs> you like the Simpsons too? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that interview went so well. I thought, oh, this is going to transfer over to, uh, to Tarantino. The interview with Tarantino went fine. <laughs> now, he and I did not become BNFs, BFFs yet. <laughs> it's never so going to happen. Go. <laughs> Get fucked, Dando.
0: <laughs> it will only happen if you have some good fortress of your feet true yeah S- look
2: my S- send him feet photos you'd be right that that's true the man does have a foot fetish unfortunately my plates of meat are the ugliest things on earth <laughs> Louis, Louis got- like guy why are you taking photos of my feet
0: no reason i don't really think i've ever met someone that i was disappointed with um and even if i did i don't like throwing people onto the bus like that it's not fair so, in that note, right. I, I, apparently there's one story. This is a local reference, but Gary Ablett Sr., Geelong footballer. I was a massive fan of Ablett Sr. when I was a kid. He was like my idol. I had number five on my jumper. Every kid loved Gary Ablett Sr. And then apparently there's a photo of me at training crying and Gary Ablett looking at me somewhat sort of like confused because apparently he refused to sign my book. And I'm oh. sitting there in the photo crying, holding my book out and Ablett's just looking at me running laps and apparently, my mum had a go at him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but my mum said, God, real role model, aren't you? Lacking a little boy cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stick oh, it man. to him, Mrs. Dando. Yeah, all right. But anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed our review of The Lastest Gun in the West, or for all you Americans, The Lastest Gun in the West. Next week, we're going to be reviewing an episode called The Old Man and the Key. Another one where her uh, grandpa gets a girlfriend. I believe her name was Zelda, if I recall correctly. We're entering entering the era where I can't recall too much about the episodes. There's a few here and there that I loved, but I
2: looked at... It's going to be a a wonderful experience and journey mm. of rediscovery, Dando.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I looked ahead for what episodes are to come, and I went, next four or five, don't really remember all that much. So I'm looking forward to going back and revisiting them, like you said. So that's The Old Man and The Key. That's next week's show. As I mentioned earlier, 4 escape Patreon. If you want to hear Guy and I revisiting some classic old episodes from the Golden Era, such as Home of the Vigilante, Home of the Clown, Bart vs. Australia, I Love Lisa, and much, much more, just go to patreon.com slash Big thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed us in the iTunes store this week. You guys are all absolute champions. Do appreciate and do read all the reviews. Just check us. If you don't want to write a review, that's fine. Just check us five stars. Do appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter at 4FingerPod. So I gave Guy the ultimatum this week. He's now in charge of the Twitter... Expect some big and funny things to be happening on the Twitter as of this week. So go to twitter.com slash fourfingerpod at fourfingerpod. Follow us on there and you'll hear some guy or you'll see some guy hilarity. That's the best way to sort of converse with guy if you're not a patient. Also follow us on Instagram at 4 as well. I'm gonna be taking over that and making sure we get some regular content on there as well and the Facebook page. You're all fans of that, I'm assuming, if you're listening to this show. Also, if you've got friends who are looking for a new podcast to listen to and they enjoy the Simpsons. Spread the love. Share the show. We'd like to get more and more listeners in and get into more and more people's ears around the world. So, yeah, if you have friends that want some Simpsons podcasts in their ears, spread Four Finger Discount to them. Right, right, Mr. Davis, that's enough uh, plugging for the show. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sure you are as well. Do you have any final words for our
2: incredible listeners? A Four Finger Discount production. <laughs>